Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Rachel. In episode 14, we discussed and analyzed each of our astrological horoscope signs. And in episode 94, we brought on Maggie Hugh to learn about the art and science of matchmaking. Today, we're going to take both subjects one step further and talk about astrology-based matchmaking. Does such a thing exist? According to Rachel Lowe, the CEO and co-founder of Struck, an astrology-based dating app prioritizing intentional conversations and emotional intelligence, the answer is yes. Rachel is a former Apple product design engineer turned matchmaker who, despite her STEM background, turned to astrology in her mid-20s to help make sense of the world around her. Please welcome to the Asian Boss Girl podcast, Rachel Lowe. Yay, Yay, thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you, your story, the app you created, the experience of transitioning out of a large corporation and pivoting to become the boss of your own life. So to start off, can you share with our listeners a bit about your background, where you grew up, what was your childhood like, where did you go to school, and what did you study? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Southern California uh, in a suburb of Los Angeles and always as a kid had an affinity for science. And um, I think obviously the Asian American experience is being kind of pushed into that as well. But I, I did have a natural inclination towards playing with like electrical building kits and stuff as a kid. Um, so that was always my big thing was I, I thought I was going to be a scientist of some sort, an engineer, I don't know, something like that. So I ended up going to Berkeley and double majoring in mechanical engineering and material science engineering um, with the intent actually to go to law school to do patent law. And somewhere along the way, got offered a job I couldn't refuse and realized that law was not going to be for me. So that was sort of my educational journey. Wow, that is quite a combination of different uh, topics and pursuits. Um, so you had mentioned that you were given a job offer that you could not refuse. Was that uh, Apple? Yeah, it was. So I was you know, just a year out of school, and I, I had already actually committed to law school. I was supposed to go to University of Michigan and um, 
got the offer maybe a couple weeks later and just realized I could not turn down that opportunity to just experience what it was like to work in a corporation, I guess. Mm -hmm. So um, deferred law school for two years and eventually just didn't go. Ah, so if you could walk us through like what your role was at Apple and, you know, what did you do there? What was the most important thing you took away from that job that helped you uh, when you were working on Struck? Yeah, so Apple is really interesting. It was this really amazing opportunity to actually use my degree. I know everyone always talks about how like I don't use my degree anymore and I now don't. But at that time, it was a great chance for me to actually try using my degree. So I worked on the product design team for the iPhone and the Apple Watch, which hadn't launched yet at that time. And uh, I specifically worked on the materials development team, which a lot of people don't even realize that, you know, there's all this, there's a whole team that goes into that. So it was the perfect mix of my two degrees. If you're a science person and you want just free reign to do research and development, Apple's the place to do it. I mean, there's limitless budgets and it's, it's really a sort of a kid in a candy store situation. So that part of it was really awesome. But I think I realized I didn't love like the being like a tiny, tiny cog in a gigantic machine at the end of the Mm day. Um, But even still, I learned so much at Apple and it was a really amazing opportunity. I think one, I realized I didn't want to work at a big corporation, um, (laughs) which is really invaluable. Uh, Two, I also realize how important design is and Mm. even for sort of technical product designers so the people who are doing more of like the engineering work behind the product there's this sense of um, wanting everything to be well designed throughout the whole company so this goes down to like even making one of my jobs was to make presentation decks that would be shown to like Tim Cook you know of, of the progress on my team for instance and it was not unusual for us to like spend a week or two just working on the deck and making sure it looked really nice and was really clean and didn't have too much information and only said what it needed to say. So I think I learned to communicate really concisely, communicate really directly and um, incorporate good design into all of that as well as part of the message. Wow. That sounds really um, amazing because I think even with us three, we always say like, you know, ABG for us is like our passion project, but we don't. We never discredit like our corporate backgrounds because we do. Bring, we learn so much from it that we bring to the podcast, and it's just such a different world. But you develop this like detailed um, like mindset, which is really incredible. I'm actually really curious because you said like Apple felt like a playground for you. Um, so if you're in this playground, that seems like you could do anything you want. Um, how did Struck come about then? Like where did where did that start? So I actually worked a couple of jobs between Apple and Struck. Um, Mm. I think I just basically started scaling down uh, and went to smaller and smaller companies. And I essentially realized that um, working on an engineering team was not really for me. So Mm. I ended up being a product marketing manager, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that specific role. It's kind of a niche role. But I had applied as a product manager to a company, which is sort of the gilded job at every tech company. And I think I was a little bit too junior. So they sort of siphoned me off and said, hey, maybe you should start out as a product marketing manager, which is a role I had never known existed. And it's this really amazing role that combines um, sort of marketing and technical knowledge and sort of product forecasting and all of this stuff that I 
had always thought was really interesting, but didn't realize there was a single role that combined all those things. So mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years and was pretty successful at it and really enjoyed it, but ultimately wanted to go to a smaller company and move back to LA. So mm-hmm. um, after that job, I did move back to LA, worked at another startup for just a little while, and then basically took some time off. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I, I'm obviously very fortunate to have had that luxury that I realized I had been on a hamster wheel for so long, even since like kindergarten, just trying to get to the next grade and then trying to graduate and go to a good school and then trying mm-hmm. to get my degree. So I was like, I need to just stop and think about like what I actually want to do, what makes me happy. Um, I basically had a quarter life crisis and it, it coincided with my Saturn return, which is something else we can talk about later, but Mm. I just came out of my Saturn return. Um, so I feel very sort of, I don't know, at peace with where I am in my Mm. life, but I, I started just like, think about, um, you know, what mattered to me and, and everything kind of pushed me towards entrepreneurship, even though that's a word that I've always hated. Um, Mm. I think like in the Bay area, it just gets such a bad rap. You either are an entrepreneur and you love it, or you're a person who's like, I hate entrepreneurs and I would never ever do that. But you know, astrology became more and more important in my life on a personal level. My friends were all into it. And one day the idea just was tossed out. I, I wasn't even the one that came up with it originally. It was my friend. And she was like, why isn't there an app that just like tells me who I'm compatible with. All these apps force you to input someone's information and see like, are we compatible? But none of the apps actually just tell you, this is who you're compatible with. And I was like, you know, you have something there. So it just like Mm -hmm. sat in the back of my mind and kind of like nagged at me for so long that I eventually couldn't ignore it. And I was like, you know what? I have so many talented friends who can do like design and all these different aspects of a company uh, or of a business. And, uh, you know, I was like, I, let's just give it a shot and see see what comes of it. And here we are almost a year and a half later. Wow. That is super cool. Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I, I think I could speak for um, a lot of us and a lot of people listening out there, too, that sometimes it does require you to hit rock bottom before you can really step back and think to yourself, what do I want out of my life? You know, and how do, how do, how do I get off this hamster wheel? So exactly how you described it is, is something that I had gone through, too. So for you, once you started Struck, what was the first step for you to start the company? And also, how would you describe Struck to someone who has never heard of the app before? Yeah, so the first part, I think, of starting a company that most people will tell you, like, and this is something I pulled from my product marketing background, is you want to ask a bunch of people um, and do a lot of research to see if it's actually a sound idea. Because something that sounds like a great idea to you might not be a great idea to someone else. In this case, I did feel like it had legs because it's a problem that my friends were facing. And so usually what you'll hear is like founders who solve a problem that they're facing themselves um, are more successful. So it wasn't just like an idea I had like randomly, you know, it was like something that was born out of a conversation I had with people, but I still went around and asked people, I pitched it to my parents pretty early on because I was like, they're going to find out about this eventually. I don't even think they really knew that I like was into astrology. So it was a big moment for me to be like, okay, um, here's this thing. I made like a deck and kind of walked to them through like what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, eventually had a bunch of conversations with a bunch of different people and decided that it made sense. So that was really the first step was just figuring out if it was a sound idea. Um, if I were to describe Struck to someone, uh, I would basically say that it's an app that is trying to make relationship building more intentional and Mm -hmm. mindful and hopefully more enjoyable 
through the use of astrology. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to basically use astrology as this amazing tool, which is what I've used it as in my personal life is basically as like a tool for understanding myself and understanding others. We want to bring that idea to the world of relationships because that's really what most people want to know when they read their birth chart, when they go see an astrologer is like, how does my chart or how do the stars affect my relationships? So there's just like this deep human desire to understand how relationships work. Um, And so that's the thing that we're really harnessing uh, by using Struck. Thank you for sharing that, Rachel. It was very fascinating to hear that this was an issue that you faced personally and that you and your friends discussed. So you shared with us, uh, and you know, I'm sure we're understanding that you and your friends care about a partner's chart, but what would you say to perhaps a skeptic? Why should people in general care about their partner's chart? Yeah, so it's interesting. If you guys have been to our website, um, there's like a border all around that says skeptics welcome. Um, so that's like sort of a tagline we've been flaunting um, because it's something that that was really underpinning um, our sort of brand building from the beginning was this idea that there may be a lot of skeptics out there who are going to be like, why would I want to use astrology to date? But the reality is there's a lot of people out there who are really curious or just open-minded to astrology. Um, The latest Pew research says that about 40% of young adults, actually more than 40% of young adults, believe in astrology in some way, shape, or form. So it's actually like a massive portion of the U.S. population and global population. So there's a lot of people, I mean, there's more people probably than you'd think that believe in it. And and the reality is that we're not trying to change anyone's minds. And I think most astrologers are not trying to change anyone's minds. And that's a big misconception, I think, in the super non-spiritual, like techie, logic-based communities, um, like in Silicon Valley, where I lived for many years. Um, I think there's this perception that like, astrology is bad and all of these probably women are trying to like convince me that astrology is science and no one is really trying to do that I have yet to come across an astrologer like a professional astrologer who's tried to kind of talk about like the science of it it's really you know an art form in a lot of ways and so sorry long long answer to your question but I don't really think we're trying to like convince anyone that astrology has validity we're trying to meet people who already have an open-mindedness towards it and let them sort of take advantage of this amazing tool yeah that's um i i will definitely say i uh maybe i don't know if all three of us but i think i've definitely fallen that 40 percent where it's like uh i i think it's natural like when you go on a date with someone you're like so um like what's your sign i don't know why i felt that's something a question you just kind of naturally ask or i tend to ask on a date uh there's something else I'm really curious about that I would love your help defining is what is synastry? And I hope I'm saying that correctly. And why should people prioritize it when it comes to dating? Yeah, so synastry is just the study of astrological compatibility. And that's not even specifically tied to romance, but most often people think of it in a romantic context. So it's the idea that you take two people's birth charts and there's actually different schools of thought and thoughts and different ways of actually doing this. But um, you compare the two charts against each other and then you can see like what angle different planets make with one another. And that kind of tells you which placements are like kind of in harmony and which ones are a little bit more challenging. Um, 
So synastry is like a pretty big umbrella term. And to get back to your point about, you know, asking your date, like what their sign is and why that feels so natural. I think it really comes down to like what I was saying that people have this innate desire to like better understand the people around them and the relationships that they're building, especially because it's such an amorphous thing. And so we want to like find a way to like grasp these really complex ever shifting topics and astrology gives a really amazing way of like doing that through communication Mm. and I think that's the biggest part of astrology that I just love and I think as an Asian American woman like not to speak for everyone for myself like I was not taught to like express my emotions in a really clear and concise way and I think a lot of difficult topics get swept under the rug and so astrology lets you have these really difficult conversations and talk about like aspects of someone's personality that like aren't Instagram worthy you know like the reality is like no person is perfect there's complexity there's ugly stuff there's good stuff and astrology helps you kind of dig into all of those different areas in a shared language with other people who understand astrology stepping back a little bit for you mentioned a birth chart I actually don't know what a birth chart is what is that yeah so Okay, if we want to get really nerdy, this ties in my material science. It's a stereographic projection of what the sky looked like when you were born. So if you were to like take the sky and like flatten it out into like a flat map um, that was directly above you when you were born at the exact moment in the exact place that you're born, that's basically your needle chart. And so needle charts can be written or drawn in different ways but it's basically just showing you where every single planet was at that exact moment so that includes all the planets you know some stars as well and a couple of um they're called like mathematical points so there's things like midheaven which is actually like halfway between two nodes i believe i'm gonna i'm i'm really bad with like the technical stuff but i believe it's between two nodes so there's a lot of complexity and that's actually directly tied to like astronomy so there's like the science of astronomy and astrology uses astronomy to make like inferences about people's lives and personalities does that does that make sense? Yeah, no, that made total sense. And thank you for explaining it. I know it's like a super technical term that, I mean, you summarized it very well. Flattening out the sky. That's that's pretty cool. I'm just imagining what my planets and stars look like. I guess if you were to look at that, and this might be getting too deep, but what is something that you would interpret from where the planets and the stars are aligned to make an interpretation that someone could take as a consumable piece of advice? Yeah, well, maybe not. this isn't an advice so much, but I think a lot of people don't understand what their rising sign is. So um, just to break that down, because we're talking about the way that the sky looks and all of that, the mm-hmm. rising sign is actually the sign that is coming just over the horizon when you're born at the exact moment that you're born that's why it's called the rising sign so like if you in astronomy if you looked at the sky the sky is always like spinning i mean the sky is not spinning the earth is spinning but it looks like the sky is spinning right um over the horizon so at that exact moment that you're born what is the sign that's just coming over the the horizon that's your rising sign Mm -hmm. um one other like little tidbit i'll give is that there's a horizon and there's obviously sky beneath the horizon right like you can't see the whole sky when you're standing on the earth so if you look at someone's chart and you're looking at like a circular natal chart if they have a lot of stuff underneath um the like horizontal line going through the birth chart that means they had a lot of stuff under the horizon when they're born and typically that kind of means that they have like a rich like inner life and they might not be as like public facing they're a little bit more like Mm -hmm. inward facing and vice versa if you had a lot of stuff 
on the top of your circular chart, that means there was a lot over the horizon. And most and a lot of like really famous people, um, performers like John Lennon and, and Paul McCartney have like a lot in their um, upper hemisphere of their chart. Mm, I see. So in the context of the dating app, how does all of this kind of work? The compatibility, the the stars, the planets, you're rising, you're beneath the horizon. <laughs> how does that all sort of come together uh, in Struck? Yeah, so it's, as you can tell, like very, very complex. And every, every single person has a different birth chart. That's something to keep in mind as well. So it's just like endlessly complicated and you can go as deep as you want or as not as deep as you want. So when we were designing the app, a big thing we kept focused on was wanting to make it accessible to those quote-unquote skeptical people the people who aren't like don't know what a birth chart is for instance but maybe are open to learning a little bit more about it Um, and so in doing that we tried to like hide a lot of the complexity um, and make it feel more simple even though there's a lot going on in the background so for us what that really looks like is um let me try to explain this. So I have like a sun, moon, rising, Mercury, Venus, Mars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And someone else out there has a sun, moon, Mercury, blah, 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 blah. So what we literally have to do is go through my sun and look at the degrees that my sun is sitting at and then look at their sun and see what the degrees their sun is sitting at. Compare those together and see if there's a certain relationship between the ang- of the angle. So like certain angles, like a zero degree angle is supposed to be very like harmonious, for instance. And that would be like two people who have the same sun sign, right? So two Aquarians like supposedly should get along. But it gets way more complicated because then we have to look at my sun and their moon, right? And so we look at like, do they have an Aquarius moon? And what does that say? And there's also bad angles, quote unquote. Sorry, they're not, someone's going to drag me for this, but they're not actually bad. (laughs) They're just challenging, difficult angles. So like a 90 degree angle is called a square. And that is like a really tense, um, challenging relationship. So you probably want to avoid too many squares between two people, for instance. Mm. So anyway, so I have to go through my sun and your sun your moon, your Mercury, your Venus, your Mars, blah, 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 blah. Then I have to go through my moon, your sun, your moon, your blah, 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 blah. So you have to do every single iteration. Mm. Um, And certain planet relationships have more importance than others. So like your Mm. sun, your moon, um, your Mars, your Venus, these are like called personal planets. Those are going to have more impact in sort of the compatibility of two charts. Mm. So that's my like, really 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 boiled down version there's like so much complexity but if there's anything else you want me to dig into i can get into it yeah i know that was that was really helpful for me i think i learned so much (laughs) quick question to add um is percentage of success something that you look at as sort of like a kpi or um just to make sure that you know people are getting along based on astrology is that is that a factor that that your team uh keeps track of well, so for this, this is like twofold answer. So first off, we're really new. So we don't have like anyone who's like getting married or anything like that. We have had people report that they've like found their partner on Struck. You know, they're like dating, but it is really early. So I think we can't really like tie too much to that like KPI yet. Yeah. The other thing that's really important to, to note here is that just because, and this is going to sound really counterintuitive me saying this but just because two people have a compatible chart on paper doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna like hit it off and be soulmates and likewise just because you have challenging charts does not mean you can't make it work what that typically means is if you have a compatible chart all that means is like things are gonna flow much more easily like you'll kind of just like get each other it'll just like 
click a little bit more. But at the end of the day, everyone has free will and free agency. Like astrology doesn't take that away from you. And so like a person with a compatible chart could just be like a shitty person. Like they could have had something traumatic happen to them, hopefully not, that like caused them to be like really shitty in some way and Mm -hmm. that's just not going to jive with you right Mm. and likewise if you have charts that don't that are like not traditionally compatible it means that you're just gonna have to work really hard at the relationship but it's not something that's like insurmountable so I think that's just to say like our goal isn't necessarily to see like what our success rate is and to see how many people are going to get married because people also have like different goals and we want to be very like open-minded to the fact that there's just like we're in such an interesting place right now with like gender and sexuality and like mm. monogamy and all this stuff. Um, it's just like, you know, Gen Z especially is uh, throwing all of that out the door. So we don't want to like be prescriptive about like what the end goal is, but we're just mm. trying to get people to have better conversations, connect more deeply, and kind of give each other more of a chance to, I don't know, this is maybe a little bit off topic, but like some of our UI features are really designed to hopefully give people less of a sense of like superficialness, superficiality. I don't know what the word is, superficialness. (laughs) Um, So like we don't show photos first, which is really different than any other dating app. Mm. So what you see is like, it looks like a tarot card kind of, and then you have to flip it over. So the first thing you actually see about anyone is their priorities, like their life priorities. And you can see which ones align with yours. So I haven't gotten into this, but like I dated like a lot when I was in San Francisco like I was on all the dating apps I'm a I have two Virgo signs in my um big three I'm an Aquarius Virgo Virgo so I was like go on dates like you know that's the only way so I went on like 100 dates or something yeah (laughs) yeah I'm one of those people um (laughs) oh and I I would often like have the experience of being distracted by someone's looks like one way or the other right like you have an idea of what you want in your head you're like I know I want someone that's ambitious and creative and funny and then you come across someone that's just like hot and you're like yeah he's pretty ambitious I think like (laughs) I think so true um and so like I kind of wanted to to spin that around and be like okay how do we change people's Mm. behavior so that they're not just looking at someone's image you have to look Mm. at their priorities and see like okay we have no priorities in common maybe i should just Mm. like cool it on this person for instance I'm always on the lookout to update my everyday essentials. When I first heard about public goods, I had to stop myself from buying the whole store. They literally have everything you need from household goods, groceries, to personal care products. Public goods is a one-stop shop for sustainable goods, providing high-quality and affordable everyday essentials. The first few things I added instantly to my cart were their multi-service cleaner, bathroom cleaner, and glass cleaner. My roommate and I have developed a habit of wiping down all our counters, so this was a must for us. We're always on the lookout for the next best cleaner. When I got my package, I couldn't wait to get my hands on my new cleaning sprays. Not only is the packaging of the bottles beautiful, I can leave them out on the counters instead of hiding my cleaning bottles underneath my sink, but they also smell incredible. Public Goods uses clean ingredients so their cleaners don't smell like chemicals and instead smell like a floral garden. I'm so excited about Public Goods' mission to make healthier, sustainable choices easier and more accessible for all. They make it simple for everyone to be proud of their shopping choices and are offering ABG listeners 15% off their first purchase at checkout with the code ABG15. Again, that's 15% off with the code ABG15 at publicgoods.com. Ladies, how many of you plan to have kids in the future? Now, how many of you have checked in on the status of your fertility hormones? 
Nothing to feel bad about. I only looked into this more recently myself and wanted to share with anyone out there who might find it beneficial too. Modern Fertility is one of our partners and they are an at-home fertility hormones test that you take with a simple finger prick. You mail your sample in with a prepaid label and get personalized results within 10 days. They provide insight into your egg count, hormone levels, and reproductive red flags. The results go in-depth into what every hormone means and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you go to modernfertility.com ABG, you can get $20 off your test. They also take HSA and FSA dollars. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com ABG. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com ABG. Modernfertility.com ABG. Hi everyone, Helen here, and I wanted to remind you about our live weekly show on the Stereo app. Thank you so much for all of you out there who have been tuning into our episodes. We are excited to be testing out this format that we are currently only doing on Stereo. If you attend these live shows, you'll be able to record messages or questions and send them directly to us during the live, and we will play them and answer them on the spot. So if you are interested in tuning in, check out the notes in the description of this podcast episode or check out our link tree on our Instagram bio at Asian Boss Girl. We have this week's scheduled show link out and ready to go. And yes, Stereo is free for those of you who have not downloaded it yet. Last week, Mel and Jana gave us an update on the books they've been loving and enjoying. And the week before, Jana and I covered all the women that have inspired us to be the ABG's Asian Boss Girls that we are today in honor of Women's History Month. This app allows podcast creators like us to build an even more intimate relationship with our listeners by engaging y'all in direct conversations too. Again, check out the link in the description of these show notes or the link in our Instagram bio. Join us every week on the Stereo app. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That was really awesome to kind of hear the specific features and the thinking that went into the app. And yeah, that matching that you described, I was like, that sounds like a super complex math problem that um, I don't know how many how many people you must have had on your team to help work through that. But I guess I am kind of curious, like how did, who are the people on your team and how did you guys build that like algorithm? Yeah, so our team I'm really proud of because 
one of the gripes that I didn't mention that I had in the tech world was like always being one of the only women in the room it's just such a common story you hear one of the teams I won't name which team it is but one of the teams I was on at a tech company had more Eric's on the team than women oh my gosh um and so I was just so used to this experience and I was like I'm done with this so our team um our core like full-time it's only me and my co-founder but we do have a lot of people who are helping us or have helped us in the past to build the algorithm I did a ton a ton of research ton of reading I kind of came up with like the version one of the algorithm and then we brought Nadine Jane on board who is sort of an Instagram celebrity astrologer she actually was a really employee early employee at Glossier too which is just like a fun Mm, brag because she's a designer and she makes beautiful Instagram posts so um so Nadine came in and was like the authority and actually like scrubbed through what I had and fixed a lot of it because probably a lot of it was wrong um and so that was sort of how we built the algorithm and then we had my co-founder Alex who's the only man who's worked on the app I'm like so proud of that he's great too um he helped implement the algorithm with uh Octavia who's one of an engineer we worked with and then everyone else who has worked on the app has been a woman like most of them were women of color lots of LGBTQ plus um, representation as well so like our team is incredibly diverse but also extremely smart and talented and all of that love that I think that I mean that makes such a big difference in terms of when you're when you're building a product and you're trying to decide the features and you're trying to decide the priorities of what people will care about it's so important to have representation of different perspectives so love to hear that (laughs) that's like an amazing point because something that I talk about a lot is and this is not to say that all women believe in a astrology but astrology is really like a woman-led space and an lgbtq-led space and a people Mm -hmm. of color-led space and it's not really quote-unquote comfortable for like white men Mm -hmm. which is there's like a whole Mm -hmm. we could really get into it but what you'll notice is like dating apps have all been designed by white men like Mm -hmm. even bumble which had um you know uh, has a woman leading the company like the app itself doesn't stray too far from sort of the norms of dating apps and Outside of that, everything else is run by men. Mm -hmm. So you may notice that dating apps feel like they're kind of built for men in a way like it's Mm -hmm. built with like the a male like attitude towards dating and astrology is this thing that like feels really comfortable to women this app was built by women we like even without like consciously thinking about it just made an app that feels so much more comfortable to this audience that was being like overlooked um Mm -hmm. and you'll notice that like in our numbers it's extremely unheard of for dating apps to have like more women than men on the app and we have that normally women are like really difficult to attract to dating apps actually I don't know Mm. if you if you guys know this but it's really expensive from a business perspective to like recruit women Mm. um and we've basically like fixed that problem just by building an app that feels comfortable to the people that were not being catered to before essentially Mm. yeah That is, I'm like going to go reopen my app again. (laughs) Um, So thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing all of that, uh, those details about the app specifically and about astrology to kind of provide us some background on your topic. Um, Now kind of pulling back and looking at just kind of being an entrepreneur in general, what would you say has been your most challenging experience to date? Oh, there's so many challenges. Why just pick one? Um, (laughs) I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later maybe, but like fundraising has been kind of a nightmare. I don't really like it. And it's just such a big part of a founder's job that I kind of underestimated, to be honest. Um, So I don't really like that. And I think 
another challenge I've faced, which kind of ties into what I was just talking about, is the idea of this person who had such a strong technical background and made all these connections in the tech world with like highly technical men, not just like, you know, not just tech men, but like highly technical engineering men. When I started telling people like what I was working on and and all this stuff, it took, it caught people off guard to the point that like a lot of people just like ghosted me. Like we would be texting and I told them what I was working on and Mm. they would just like stop responding or they'd be like, oh, I didn't know you were into astrology, which is just like the most patronizing thing to hear from someone that you Mm. respect, you know? So that was something I expected, but it was still really challenging to like actually encounter those experiences when they happened. We've had a lot of support from a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but I do think like, you know, if you're building a product that's more appealing to like a guy that is in VC, like they're just naturally going to be more inclined to like want to talk to you and provide you resources and connect you with people. And I think we've had a little bit less of that than like some of our peers or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And I can only imagine the challenge that you face. I think, um, which actually leads to my next question, because I think it's really, I'll say normal, typical for a lot of like Asian Americans to stay at a job for a long time. And I think because you built, you, you built such a strong network and then stepping away from that and doing something on your own could be so challenging. And I know Helen shares a lot about, um, shares a lot of that kind of um, conflict when she left her tenure career too. Um, so my question for you is like, what was it like as an Asian American starting out as a, in a more traditional career and now pivoting to into a non-traditional career? I think I, I mean, I think that kind of summarized that. But the other thing I'll add is that like, I don't want to like pat myself on the back too much because I think entrepreneurship now is is so like second nature in a way like it is really hard and really challenging to step away from your traditional career. But I feel like it's so like glorified that I don't know, I don't even want to say like, oh, I'm I did this really brave thing, you know, like I think I'm really lucky to have like the resources like to be able to like crash at my parents house as an almost 30 year old to get my startup up and running. And the transition wasn't too hard. I think it was mentally challenging. Mm. I think you have a lot of expectations you place on yourself from like a really young age for a lot of people, especially Asian American people, because everyone's like, are you going to be a doctor? My dad's a, a doctor and has like always wanted like one of his kids to be a doctor. And I saw my like older siblings not going down that path. And I was like, oh no, like I'm like, he's going <laughs> to put it all on me. Luckily, my sister very late in her, uh, like in the normal career projection decided to be a doctor. So she, she took that bullet for us <laughs> yeah so I think I think the biggest challenge has been mental and that's a very luxurious and privileged position to be in where it is just a mental burden um but that that of course is is challenging as well yeah how do you think your culture and background has influenced the work that you do now yeah I think it's made me really like tenacious um I think like most Asian American kids you grew up in two worlds you're sort of have this like filial piety thing and this communal attitude going on at home and then with your at school and in work you're like independent and I can do everything on my own and blah 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 um and so I think living in those two worlds and then encountering sort of the limitations that reality puts in front of you once you do enter the workforce um made me really tenacious and kind of like I I think I do have like a chip on my shoulder of like wanting to prove people wrong I don't know if that's like a common thing but (laughs) I'm like yeah I can do it um I think I also have had this like experience of embracing kind of like I know this sounds so like woo woo but like a little bit more of like that spiritual aspect of astrology because you know that really is deeply embedded in in um like older Asian cultures right 
Um, And I think it's something I shied away from a lot as a kid because I thought like to be a good scientific American engineer person, like I had to be like, fuck astrology. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think I felt like I, I had to just like shit on all of these like different sort of spiritual practices. And obviously there are huge gradations and it's a spectrum and whatever. And there's still people who like practice things like I don't agree with or whatever. But I think I've really embraced like the idea that working on an astrology project is like bringing me in a way closer to, I don't know, like even like the work that my ancestors did, like, you know, the Chinese Zodiac and all of these things. Like it's not exactly the same, obviously, but there's this sort of like a cultural tie to it that you can't dissociate. That is really fascinating. I haven't really thought very much about how in Asian American culture, because of such the focus on STEM and in Western culture, STEM really does keep a separation between like spirituality um, and holistic thinking versus like very concrete linear thinking. Like I th- think they talk about that in the world of medicine too. Yep. Western culture exactly. is so focused on, you know, um, helping with like uh, solving diseases, but not so much on prevention. Whereas, you know, Chinese medicine looks at like the totality of the body. No, that's a great point. I was just, I, I was going to add like that the medical analogy is, is spot on and it's actually made me more open to those ideas as well. Like I, again, I don't know about you guys, but like my mom used to feed me like gross Chinese medicine or like preserved plum juice in a jar when I was sick. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, just give me some Tylenol, you know? And I <laughs> used to get like really annoyed. I was like, this isn't me- like, this isn't medicine. It's not going to do anything for me, but there's something about like that has existed for so many thousands of years and has done a lot for people over those thousands mm-hmm. of years that even I'm, I'm like a very strong believer even in like the placebo effect for instance I'm like even if it's a placebo like now I, I'm way more appreciative of it give it to me like I want to mm-hmm. feel better you know it's really fascinating Rachel to hear you talk about I guess like the hobby and the practice and the belief in astrology and how that's helping you feel more close to your culture in some way and and the relationship that plays in being dual culture of both American and Asian. Um, I guess similar to this variety of different beliefs, you also have in your work experience kind of had experiences across the across the spectrum of working in a more technical side on engineering, but then also working in more of a business kind of product management side or uh, product marketing management side. And you've also worked for large companies and now, you know, you're running your own. So in the spectrum of all of these different things um, and given your current job, uh, what would you describe is your favorite part of your work? And then also what is your least favorite? I mean, I think, again, I'll highlight this, that I really hate fundraising. So that's definitely going to be the least favorite part of uh, my job. Um, I think the unfortunate thing with the way that like venture capital and technology, the technology industry is set up is that it relies on founders spending so much time on fundraising and that they're taken away from the thing that they really want to do, which is why they kind of started a company to begin with. So I definitely feel that sometimes where I'm like, oh, like I have to just like meet with all these people and like talk about just do the same pitch over and over and over again. And it's like, I would really rather like be working on feature development and improving the product for our customers. And that stuff unfortunately does to some degree fall by the wayside when you're trying to just like spend all your energy on raising money so that part I don't love my favorite part is oh this is such an eye roll answer but like the people so I think both in terms of the team that I'm getting to build and the people I'm getting to meet um and bring onto the team and you know I'm we have for instance someone who's helping us with social media and she's in college so I do feel a little bit of like a mentorship um relationship opening up there and I I really am enjoying that 
um, as well as our um, users and just like online supporters. The astrology community is so, so supportive and welcoming and they just want to like boost anyone who they think is deserving of like any, like, I, I mean, I, we were kind of talking about this right before we started recording, but we went like crazy viral yesterday for the first time and mm. um it was an overwhelming experience but one of the like things that made me happiest was seeing all these comments that were just like we were we were posting everywhere that like our servers were down so we like post on instagram like our servers are down sorry like you guys broke our app um like thank <laughs> you so much and we got all these comments that were like you guys deserve this like we're so happy that this is happening for you like oh, you deserve God. it and we were just like oh my god like like I'm getting like emotional now. I didn't even realize. Um, but yeah, it's just like been really nice to have people supporting us from the sidelines, even that we don't really know personally. Um, so for all the like people who like ghosted me when I was texting them, telling them what I was working on, I have like hundreds or thousands of people who are like, no, like go do what you're doing. You're doing a great job. Yeah. So that's, um, I think a really unique and very like empowering experience. It's so wonderful to hear that the community that you formed around Struck is so uh, welcoming and supportive. Um, I know that that's something for ABG that we have definitely, Helen, Mel, and myself uh, felt equally from our listeners and can also attest that that makes such a difference in the work um, and is is one of our favorite parts as well. So can definitely relate to you on that front. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, something about your Venus in this time of your life. Could you go into a bit more detail about that? My Venus or my Saturn? Or your Saturn, one of the planets. Yeah, <laughs> so, something very special about this particular year. Um, it's something ending. Yeah, so in December, um, Saturn. So, okay, this is where it gets complicated for people who aren't into astrology. So let me give you like a really quick background. Mm-hmm. So you have your chart, which is like when you were born, Venus was here or Saturn was here. Um, but there's also these things called transits. So that's what's happening in day-to-day life. So when you look up at the sky tonight, like all the planets are doing something. And those transits kind of affect everyone in similar and different ways, depending. Um, so Saturn was in Capricorn until December of last year and then moved into Aquarius. So you may have heard people say like, oh, we're in the age of Aquarius. Mm. Um, and that's what they're talking about, a Saturn moving into Aquarius. Coupled with that is when your Saturn goes back into the sign that it was in when you were born, that's called a Saturn return. Mm-hmm. So I was born with a Saturn in Capricorn. So for the past two or three years, I was in my Saturn return. And in the astrology world, the Saturn return is just this like very mythology. It's not mythologized. I mean, it's like very, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. People talk about it all the time. It's very important. And it basically happens in your like, when you're like 28 to 30 or so, and is kind of like this moment of growing up and looking at everything you've done so far in your life and making decisions that really make sense for you and like maturing, Mm. making responsible choices, kind of like sowing the seeds for the future. Um, Whereas up until that point, you may have just been like kind of chaotic and like learning. I'll I'll say it's like learning um, up until that point. And so for me, that very much was the case. Like a lot of big things are supposed to happen during your Saturn return. So like I got into like a serious relationship and I started a company and I, I'm sure there's lots more. I mean, besides like the world events. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So basically I just ended my Saturn return and a bunch of my friends are just starting their Saturn return. So I'm kind of smug <laughs> about that. But um, I, I, you know, it's, it, it is, it feels very serendipitous that like this month has been very 
personally bolstering, especially like yesterday, um, having like a really big break where we're like charting on the app store, most downloaded apps and stuff. And that's, I can't even like wrap my head around that. Um, we've, we felt very like, or I personally felt very like stuck for a while. And that's sort of also a thing that's tied to your Saturn return is this feeling of like kind of being in like quicksand or just not feeling like you're progressing, but you're actually doing the work to get to the point where you can progress. So I feel like I've reached that point now and it feels very like, uh, good. It feels, <laughs> it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I wanted to ask you earlier about this event that happened, the viral event that is sort of like bolstering your company to the next level. What was the event or what drove that, the number of downloads, what drove all of that to happen? Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of like hard work. So we started out like wanting to launch in April of last year, which sounds insane now, but that's just right when COVID started. So Mm. the traditional sort of marketing approach for any dating app, like any dating app that's successful right now started on a college campus. They went to a college campus, they went to the frats and the sororities and they seeded the app and that's how they grew it. And so we were like, like, we're just going to follow the same uh, playbook. It's going to be easy. It's going to be great. Um, so we attempted to do that. We trained up some of our campus ambassadors and then the next week was lockdown, like literally the next week. So we were like, okay, everything's changing. I think it's even hard to remember like how much the world felt like it changed in that moment. So we like, I mean, I think we even took like a month where we were like, like, what do we even do? Like, what do we even do? Like, I don't know that we made much progress. Um, and then we're like, you know what? Like we've gone this far. We just have to keep pushing forward and we'll figure it out as we go. Like true startup. The past, like, I don't know, four or five months since we launched was a lot of experimentation of, like, running ads, but, like, ads aren't super effective. And how do we, like, should we do PR? Like, we got a lot of, like, PR coverage early on. And we're like, how do we leverage this? And, um, yeah, it's just a lot of learning and figuring it out. And, and it wasn't just, like, we were trying to figure it out. It's, like, the world had shifted and nobody really knew how to, like, market things anymore. Like, all the rules went out the window. So what actually happened was, like, I had been hearing a lot about TikTok <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm going to make like a personal TikTok account, even though I it scares me. Like TikTok is so scary to me. I'm just going to make an account so that I like understand how TikTok works because I know it's going to be instrumental to us. So I like built my little TikTok and like pretty early on had like a pretty viral video that went around that totally caught me off guard. And I was like, okay, this is really weird, but I like this. Let's do it for Struck. So we just planted all the seeds to like have a viral moment by reaching out to like content creators that we really liked sourcing those people, basically building relationships, um, finding the right way to talk about ourselves. I think that's something that people don't realize is like brands have to sell themselves to the creator too. Like creators don't want to work with you if they don't agree with you. And so we had to figure out like that we wanted to be really authentic to ourselves and not be like a super polished brand. Um, yeah, basically, long story short, there was a post that was on TikTok um, that blew up and I think has over a million views right now um, that completely bogged down our servers and threw us into chaos yesterday. But it was like the best type of chaos. So we're super wow. grateful. Wow. The power of social media. That's insane. That's awesome. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats on that. That's great. What do you think is next in industry of dating apps? I know you mentioned a little bit about the the industry leading into it when Struck started, but I'm curious about what do you think is going to be next for the dating industry? Um, I think I'm biased because I think we're the future of the dating industry. Um, yes. But 
no, I think there, there's, I've talked to a lot of people working in the dating app space and there's this really interesting um, paradigm that's happening where, like I was mentioning, dating apps weren't really designed to be like good for everyone. Um, and they weren't really designed to make like good relationships happen. If you really think about it, like if Tinder was designed to like make really, really good romantic relationships, in theory, all their users would leave and then like never come back. And that's just like the worst possible prospect for someone who might be trying to date. Um, And so even if it wasn't conscious, there was sort of the shift towards creating a user experience that is like counterproductive to creating um, good relationships. And so we're really focused on finding a way. And I think a lot of people are um, trying to find a way to like make dating feel less superficial feel less like daunting feel less um, exhausting so there's a lot of apps that are coming out right now that are really interesting like Monet you like draw a picture and send it to um, someone that's actually something we were thinking about doing before Monet even came out but and we might still I don't know Um, but just like different ways of interacting digitally especially with COVID but COVID's going to come and go right so there are um, I think people are trying to find better ways of communicating digitally but longer term it's going to be more about like how do we create spaces that encourage better behavior as opposed to like all the bad behavior that we've seen um there's also Mm -hmm. i think a shift towards like niche dating apps so tinder and hinge and all those apps are not going anywhere don't get me wrong but the nice thing about dating apps is that everyone's using more than one at any given time nobody's on a single like just one Mm -hmm. dating app so what we've seen and what we're going to continue to see is a rise in niche dating apps because if you think about a dating app like a bar Tinder's like the bar downtown. This is hard to remember now because no one goes to bars, but Tinder's like the bar downtown you go to really drunk and like there's like a lot of people there and like, yeah, you might find someone that you like and connect with and get married to, but that's like very unlikely and you have to sift through a bunch of not great people. Um, a niche dating app is a little bit more like going to a friend's like house party, right? And you have like, you might not know everyone there, but you have a baseline understanding like, we have like the same, I don't know, even like political views. We have the same like friend groups. We have roughly the same ideologies. You just get that much closer to knowing the person um, before needing to go down like the full rabbit hole of like, who are you? Like, what are you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think niche dating apps are just going to become more and more popular. That was a great analogy. Yeah. 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 Here at Asian Boss Girl, we are not shy about the topic of mental health. The three of us have all shared our personal experiences with talk therapy and encourage anyone who is at all interested in therapy to take the step to try it. Our partner, BetterHelp, is a great resource. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist whom you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. Personally, I do better with scheduled sessions, so I meet with my counselor once a week over video and have been finding these sessions to be incredibly helpful. Not only does she listen and offer feedback, but she also shares informational forms and worksheets that help me understand or work through my personal challenges. BetterHelp also makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed, which I have done, not because the counselor didn't meet my needs, but simply because my goals for therapy sometimes change, and different counselors have been a better match. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Asian Boss Girl listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com ABG10. That's BetterHelp.com ABG10 for 10% off your first month. 
If you are in the market for some new jewelry that is ethically sourced and sustainably made, I want to introduce you to Orate. If you've been watching our Dear ABGs or following us on our socials, you might know that I love gold jewelry. I feel like it's the perfect complement for any outfit. Lately, I've been wearing these gold hoop earrings and a gold ear cuff on my left ear from Orate. These are from their Lean On Me collection, and I've been getting so many compliments on them. Orate was founded by women for women to shake up the jewelry market by offering modern women, like all you ABGs out there, beautiful design and amazing quality at affordable prices. And because it's all real gold, you can wear it and never have to take it off. Shower, work out, sleep, cook, anything. It's jewelry for any time of day. Also, all Orate pieces come with a lifetime warranty because they know it lasts. Their gold is never mined, and their gemstones and diamonds are also certified conflict-free. So you can shop here with a good conscience. For 15% off your first Orate purchase, go to oratenewyork.com abg and use promo code ABG. That's orate, A-U-R-A-T-E, newyork.com abg and use promo code ABG for 15% off your first Orate purchase. At Asian Boss Girl, we've always used our platform to celebrate, invest in, and highlight Asian businesses and brands. We uplift and elevate each other so that we can rise together, which is why last year was particularly hard. Hard hearing the reports from our fellow Asian entrepreneurs about being left out of the Paycheck Protection Program and hard watching thousands of small Asian-owned businesses who were already more exposed due to centuries of inequity close their doors for good. But today, we're excited to share that Comcast has launched a multi-year, multifaceted initiative designed to help strengthen Black, Indigenous, and people of color BIPOC-owned small businesses hardest hit by the pandemic. Going beyond funding and one-time donations, Comcast Rise is helping BIPOC business owners take stock, rebuild, and achieve their goals now and in the future. Comcast Rise stands for representation, investment, strength, and empowerment, and brings together two of the company's brands, Comcast Business and Effective, both with expertise in the small business space to help empower business owners with the tools, expertise, and resources needed to navigate the economic effects of the pandemic. Recipients will receive help with their marketing, media campaigns, and creation of 30-second commercials, as well as website and tech upgrades. Qualifying businesses can apply to receive consulting, media, and creative production services from Effective, the advertising sales division of Comcast Cable, or technology upgrades from Comcast Business. Comcast Rise is now accepting applicants from Black, Indigenous, and people of color BIPOC-owned small businesses. Go to www.comcastrise.com to learn more and share with your favorite Asian business owner so that we can continue to rise together. Struck is still super early stage. Like you mentioned, it's less than a year live. Can you share with our listeners what is next for Struck? I wish I knew. I mean, every day, <laughs> every day we're like, what, what's going on? Like, we have to kind of test our reality and see what's going on. Um, I think, you know, we need to get funded. That's like, first and foremost, if the investors out there are listening, we're blowing up. We're <laughs> in, we're going up. <laughs> we're on the charts for the app store. So uh, please, uh, invest in us um but if or when we are able to do that we're going to expand nationally as our next big goal and then hopefully internationally there's a huge huge international demand like our dms are full of people right now that are like uk portugal like we actually went viral in brazil like several months ago but like nobody could download our app because we're not available there so international Mm -hmm. is like a huge goal for us longer term um and i think in general like just on a personal or like CEO level goal, like I want to continue to hire like a really diverse team and keep the focus on hiring the people who make the astrology community what it is because it's so special. So Mm -hmm. wanting to make sure that I really 
pay homage to like the groups who have made astrology what it is because like without like the lgbtq plus community like all of those instagram memes that everyone loves so much would not exist like that's just Mm. a fact so (laughs) um definitely want to just keep building out like a, a great team well, we're very excited to see what happens uh, with both Struck and for yourself in the coming year or coming years. Um, for our listeners who might be listening to your story and feeling incredibly inspired by, you know, this kind of transition that you've made, what advice would you give to someone who's either looking to start or to grow a passion project or a company right now? I would say it's going to be hard, um, but there's never going to be like a right time to do it. And I think that's a trap that lots of people get trapped in is uh, waiting for the right moment or waiting until something feels right. And, you know, I was just talking to a, an old friend of mine who um, kind of wants to do a career transition. And she was like, you know, like, I don't know, like my my boyfriend and I might buy a house next year. I can't like just switch careers now because that's going to cost money. And then after that, we're going to like maybe have a kid. And then after that, and I was like, nothing is ever going to feel like right because it's not convenient to start your own thing. Like it's just not a convenient experience. So if you're using those reasons to rationalize you not doing the thing, like maybe you just don't want to do it, which is totally fine. Or maybe like you just need to accept the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to make sacrifices and compromises. So, but it's, I think mostly worth it. Yeah, Rachel, this is such great advice you're giving to our listeners, and it sounds like you're giving good advice to your friends, too. And honestly, we loved having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. We're so happy to have you on to share your story and to educate our listeners on what a birth chart is, the the the, the sky printed. I probably am saying it wrong. Um, but where can our listeners find you in your work? Um, they can find me on Twitter, I guess. I'm not, like, super online personally. I I just mm-hmm. like have a lot of weird cooking accounts because I like to cook in my free time. But um, on Twitter, I'm hello Rachello, like Rachel Lo R A C H E L L O, and then hello in front of that. Um, and you can find Struck at StruckApp.com, so S T R U C K A P P dot com, and that's where you can also find the download link, or you can request um, your city to to be the next one that we roll out to. And if there are any investors out there, hello, that want to invest, yeah. <laughs> where should they reach out to you at? Uh, they can. They know where to find me on LinkedIn. They'll, Got it. they'll be able to track me down. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much again for joining us, Rachel. And we will catch you all on the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. We do have a couple of shout outs for this episode. Happy 22nd birthday to Renata. Heard you're a longtime supporter and started your own podcast called In the Hallway. Congrats. Your boyfriend Evan has a small surprise for you. To Allie from Connie, happy birthday, Allie, from your boba crew in Boston. Hope you get more boba this year. To Huang from Christie in Berlin, thank you for creating the Asians in New York community on Clubhouse and Discord. That sounds awesome. To Christy from Will, a shout out to the Asian boss girl in my life. Happy to your anniversary. Oh my God, so cute. And to Stephanie from Connie, missing you from NYC, hoping to reunite soon. If you'd like to give a shout out to a friend or wish them a happy birthday, congratulate them on a new job, um, or just say that you're thinking about them, check out the form in our link in bio in our Instagram, and we'll give them a shout out at the end of one of our upcoming episodes. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. 
If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian Boss Girl. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode. Before you go, we wanted to remind you about our live podcast show that we're holding once every week on the Stereo app. So much happens in our daily lives, and we've been loving this new platform to go off the cuff and interact with you all live on Stereo. Stereo is the app for live social conversations, and we want to talk directly with you, our listeners. You can join our show, ask questions, and share your experiences and opinions live with us. Download the Stereo app if you haven't already, and join us live this week. For a link to the show, check out the description of this episode, or check out our Instagram at Asian Boss Girl, and click on the link in the app that says Weekly Live Show on Stereo. Hope to see y'all there!